This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Colby Garman and Clint Clifton. Hello, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. My name's Clint Clifton, and this is Colby Garman. Hey, everybody out there in radio slash podcast land. Radio land. <laughs> hey, Colby, do you watch boxing or MMA? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. I watch, I watch uh, like YouTube clips of mm. knockouts. Yes. Yeah, I've I, been I've been fascinated lately with YouTube clips of plane crashes. Oh wow! I've that's, been, watch, I've that's been even, watching. That's even more than like small plane. MMA knockout. Yeah, small plane crashes. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. Are you watching mostly ones where the people survive? Well, they almost all survive. Actually, um, it's funny. You would think plane crashes, people die. They don't. It's yeah. like nine out of ten survive. Um, I told you about a guy that I knew growing up yeah. who was in a plane crash, small plane crash, yeah. and didn't die. Yeah, I thought when I heard about it happening, I thought Surely my friend died. died. Of course, he had to have died. So. But uh, most plane crashes happen at takeoff or landing, so they're really close to the ground. And yeah. most small planes are pretty simple machines, and they don't, you know, as long as you don't fall from a very high distance, you're okay. Or hit something electric. So I think what you're saying is planting a church is sort of like surviving a series of small plane crashes. That is exactly how did you know what i was gonna say i just had a hunch that that's where we were going yeah so um it is it's like surviving a series of small plane crashes or surviving a series of fights you know small fights yeah boy we should do a behind the scenes podcast (laughs) that would last about three and a half minutes (laughs) (laughs) that'd be a good one uh well we're glad that you're listening today we imagine you driving around in your car uh yeah, wondering what we're going to talk about and what government-funded outreach is. Yeah, you we had a, like a mild, you know, discussion about whether that was a good title. Yeah, I was sort of like, yeah, but yeah. as long as people come listen, maybe we can explain it. This is something about me and Colby. I like to shock. I like the shocking. Yes. Uh, and Colby, Colby always. I like accuracy. Kept, he likes accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. yeah. Um. I. I. One of my favorite quotes actually is about accuracy. It's uh, Ronald. Reagan saying, I only have to be 80% sure of something to speak about it with 100% confidence. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that really captures a lot of your personality. It does, because, you know, really, even when we are sure about things, we're not so sure about them. Yeah. We don't, we don't know. We, didn't, we know. I remember before it. I understood that about you, I was just marveled at how confident you were about things. <laughs> yes. I, you know, and you can get so much more done when you speak with confidence. And yeah. I think that's the beauty of Reagan's comment is that when I stand up in front of people and say, guys, I really think maybe we should do this or I don't know. But what do you think? I get a different result than if I stand up in front of people and say, guys, this is what we should do. Yeah. You know. And uh, so anyway, okay, we're here to talk about government funded outreach. And the reason we titled it that is because um, there are some areas of common ground or common grace in your community, in my community, every community around North America that um, we could describe as saying the government, your local government cares about this matter. And in the gospel, your church cares about this matter. Yeah. Yeah. It it comes into sort of a collision course of the great commandment 
and mm-hmm. our great commission in Christ and and what the world and kind of our government and society even thinks is important. Right. And particularly this topic, foster care, adoption, and um, and the importance of it and what churches can do to be engaged is one right. where you see that overlap. Right. So. Now we've got situation. Now my family has adopted. We we uh, with the help of many generous people uh, spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to adopt a child uh, internationally. Yeah. We love her and we're super glad we did that. No regrets at all. Yeah. However, in my backyard, in my own community, there are children that that are without families temporarily or for a long term. No. And not only would it not cost me anything financially to adopt or foster those kids, but the government will actually pay me to do it. Yeah. It'll help provide resources to make it a reality. Mm-hmm. And and so the need's there, and there's this opportunity for Christians to be like genuine salt and light in their community yeah. by being the people who step up. Yeah. And uh, my family, we're about to, tomorrow night, we yeah. start the foster care class here in Prince William County. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing where that goes. We, don't, yeah. we haven't made any commitments. We don't know exactly what that's going to lead to. But uh, that really, the reason we're doing that is because of Pillar Church. Yeah. Because of, in the environment of Pillar Church, we have asked the church to take practical steps, even if it's not all the way to the finish line, mm-hmm. to become more involved, more aware, and uh, if if the if we hadn't done that as a church and as a leadership team, my family personally would not be going right. to the course tomorrow night, and um, and it's made enough difference to be involved in that in my life that I'm taking a practical step like that. Yeah. But we've seen other people just fly past that. I mean, mm. we had people, uh, we've had people adopt and foster in the last year because of just some what I would say is like small emphasis. Yeah. On it. Yeah. It's I think can considering how much emphasis we put on some things that are really important this has been a relatively small amount of emphasis and a relatively large return i would say um now rewind a little bit in the minds in our minds here this started at our church a few years ago we we'd kind of always had an interest in uh, uh, pro adoption pro foster care kind of under the surface yeah you know and we had some families that that were really passionate about that and did you know, took action yeah. themselves, but corporately we really hadn't done anything as a church other yeah. than a few times where n- my family in the midst of my adoption process said something about our adoption process yeah. by way of example. But, but there re- wasn't a lot of corporate stuff, but a few years ago we, we set aside a service to focus on this. Yeah. What do you and, remember about that? Well, I remember just, you know, talking about the fact that we, we felt it was important and we wanted the culture of the church in our community to be such that, you know, we were the first people to raise our hands when there was needs and that we wanted to lean into the area and, um, and that it was uniquely a spot, you know, in our community where scripture compels us to care about this as Christians and there's a need and a a way to do that through governmental system that, that we can participate in, in good conscience, you know? And that because of that overlap, we felt like, man, we should be we should take the step of what if at least just one Sunday a year we talked, you know, strongly from biblical conviction about this and just let God, you know, work through that. Mm-hmm. What could it produce? And, and, and can we pour in that effort to shape the culture of our church in that direction? Right. Yeah. 
And I, I saw that after that, there was some immediate response. We gave some practical takeaways. We asked people to read books. I remember Adopted for Life by Russ Moore and yeah. Orphanology by Tone Marita. Yep. Um, maybe a couple others. I can't remember, but yeah. we encourage people to read. Yeah, gospel we gave like three. I think real concrete things. Yeah, like read that. Read one of those books. Yep. Um, give to an adoption. Give fund. to an adoption fund. So, so we, we set ready. up an adoption fund at yep. the church, which essentially is just you know setting up a line item in our yeah. budget. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third thing was we encouraged people to go to the foster care class in the county. Yeah. Yeah. And my family did that. We went to the foster care class in the county. Um, after that first service, we, we weren't able to do it immediately cause we were in the midst of our, uh, our current adoption. Yeah. And, but as soon as that finished, we went to the next available one and we, we've completed that process now and are just about to be affirmed as foster parents, even, the, and we had one time previously been foster parents, but, um, so yeah. And then your family's just entering the process and several other families in the church went through that. We yeah, went we've got several that. that have completed it. A yep. family that is currently fostering yep. and another one that's waiting, you know, for placement. And, yeah. and, you know, our hope and prayer is that, you know, through that, um, you know, we would be a church that is known for, uh, having yeah. a genuine heart for that, but also that God would use it to transform people in our church, you know, yeah. to, to realize that when we step on, out on faith in things that God has called us to, that it has a transformative effect on us where we come to trust God more deeply to see his heart, to, you know, to be able to really understand what he cares about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's having that impact, I yeah. think, in a lot of ways in the church. Yeah. You know? It's one of the things that's really fun is to see the church do it together in a, in a sense, like, um, there without being specific, there are some foster, there's a foster child in our church that a lot of the families in the church have grown to love and are in that child's corner completely right now. Like if, uh, if, you know, it's not just, it's like the church has gotten to be a family all around her and her yeah. closest relationships related to this this foster care placement are within the church. Yeah. And so I think what I would like someone, you know, if you're a church planner and you're listening, often we wait until we have figured out how we're going to do kind of the long-term strategy before we roll anything out or emphasize something. Um, and this is an area where I think just by preaching mm-hmm. and, and, um, sort of compelling people to some action we you know you can see some real growth happen yeah. and uh and begin to impact the culture and the decisions that people make in their everyday life mm-hmm. and they end up taking it to where it needs to go not everything has to become like a church program yeah. but by giving it the approach some appropriate like focus yeah. and and actually informing god's people that this is something god cares about deeply showing them from god's word yeah. uh then honestly people can really you know there's a lot of opportunities already in place in our society where they can work that out and then you have a culture and what i think part of what you were saying and what i've seen is it's allowed all the other people in the church who maybe aren't fostering and and adopting to find a way in which they play a role in supporting those who've taken a step further out in the tip of the spear and that we've seen people respond to that it's a kind of a you know, like a real, hey, let's be thinking about what we can do to help this family or yeah. support this child. And that's really fun to watch. Yeah, it is fun to watch. So. And, um, you know, uh, we did uh, another service just recently about this, and we went an, sort of another step further. We encouraged people to read books again. We 
doubled down on our um, our uh, fund and asked people to continue to give to the fund so we could help uh, families who are adopting and fostering within our church. And then um, we actually had the head of social services, the head of the foster care department in our county come yeah. to our worship service yeah. and speak to our congregation, which is a little bit, it felt a little bit risky. I mean, it was not very common sure. that you invite somebody from the, like, the county government to come speak in your church. Maybe some yeah. churches do that, but we haven't done yeah. that. And, uh, but man, it was great. I felt like, she, I felt like it was great. It was interview style. And we talked to, to the head of our, um, our foster division there in front of the congregation. And I felt like it really allowed our people to peer into, um, what, yeah. what goes on. And, and a chance really to show appreciation for yeah. the kind of work that people are doing in yeah. our, uh, in our culture and, and particularly here in our community where, you know, that's, that's stuff people don't see and, yeah. and it's kind of thankless work where, yeah. you know, it's really hard work. They deal with people sure. in crisis all the time and to be able to just yeah. let them know, you know, Hey, as a church, we want to be responsive to right. any ways that we can help this, you know, situation out that you're leading the way in, in our community. Mm-hmm. And I, th- yeah. I think it was good for the church to hear that. Yeah. And, uh, we, we were able to, we just took a little bit of money. It wasn't much. I think it was like $2,500 and we gave Christmas gifts to all the social workers that, yeah. that work with foster care. Um, it, it was a restaurant gift card. I mean, it wasn't yeah. much, but we wrote hand wrote notes and we got several responses. I don't know if you saw any yeah. of those, but we got several responses back both in the mail and, uh, mm. through, uh, email and stuff like that. And even through the grapevine a little bit. Um, so just, uh, yeah, just, I, w- I was shocked by, when I went to the foster care class, and this isn't, you know, however this comes across, I'm sorry, but when I went to the foster care class, there were there were three groups of people represented there. Um, there were, um, and uh, there were uh, homosexuals that were trying to have children, you know, yeah. uh, obtain children. Uh, so there were several homosexual couples, and then there were um, there were folks who had been fostered as kids. And their motive for fostering was to sort of pay it forward. You know, mm-hmm. they, they felt like they had received a lot from the foster system. Yeah. And then there was the faith community. And mm-hmm. the faith community was the smallest representation there mm-hmm. out of those three that I that I mentioned. Yeah. And I've been through the course twice now. One a 13-week week version, one a 9-week ver- or a 5-week version, whatever it was. And both times, the those proportions were about the same. Yeah. You know, And they were 10 years apart. And so, to me, it really made me say, man... There is no reason why the church shouldn't be front and center on this in our community, yeah. and uh, I, um, there's stuff to be criticized too. You look at it; and it's it's not funded really well. You know, it's not emphasized in a lot of ways in the community. But man, we could be a real ally as a church. You can be an ally as a church in your community. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't your church doesn't have to be big? It doesn't have to be rich. But you can yeah. pay attention and care about those people who do that work in your community, and befriend them quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think for the church planner out there that's trying to figure out, how, you know, can I add another thing to the plate of our church plant? Just a Sunday. Yeah. I, I, what I would say is just would you give a Sunday to talking about yeah. it, to preaching from the scriptures in a way that would compel people yeah. to consider using their lives to do that? And in your church already, there's some people who are going to be quick to respond. Yeah. And, yeah. and so you don't need a plan beyond that. 
Yeah. So. This time we used that passage from the Proverbs. It says, the, I think 84, Psalm 84, I think he says, the Lord places the lonely in families um, as uh, the character of God, an as- attribute of the character of God that he does mm-hmm. that. He places lonely in families. And I, I, I just, that little phrase has stuck in my mind. And I've had people repeat that phrase back to me within the church. I just think it's, it's so great for us to be thinking about that, have it on our, on our consciousness. So today in our um, podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to um, play two conversations with yeah. two different individuals. So why don't you introduce Wilbur and Sheila? Yeah, the first, the first couple, Wilbur and Sheila, who have been sort of longtime members uh, for quite a few years now at, at Pillar and um, just really great people. They, they, um, they fostered, they had a season of their life where they just knew that God was calling them to foster and um, fostered 20 plus children yeah. and um, just with incredible wisdom gained from that. You know, all of our conversations about foster care are always, I'm just amazed at some of the situations they've handled and their their overall like demeanor towards uh, the children that they've yeah. cared for and their real genuine love that's still there in their life. And uh, Wilbert and Sheila are just exceptional people, you know, overall and, and great to listen to. So when we were doing the plan in that service, we knew we wanted the church to hear from their experience. Yeah. And I love about them. Sometimes you have people in your church who talk about something a lot, but really don't do anything. It's the opposite with them. That yeah. you, many people in our church had no idea they do this. Yeah. And then, but then you get, they get up and they've, they've raised 20 kids over a course of 20 years in their house yeah. and never had any kids of their own. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Just amazing to think about the way they poured their lives out for that, but you would never know cause they're, they don't brag about it or make a big deal about it. Yeah. They just do it. And then the other person we're going to hear from is, um, one, one of uh, the church planners we work with closely. He was a member of our church and went out yeah. and planted a church, Brian O'Day and his wife, Kelly, adopted um, a 14-year-old girl a few years ago named Danny, and we're going to hear from her as well. So she went was in the foster system and was adopted uh, by this family, and she's now an adult, kind of in early adulting, Yeah, and she gets to kind of look back on that. It's a great interview, and, I mean, Danny just has a depth you can hear in her uh, perspective as she talks about it, and... Uh, she's kind of one of those people who can see and acknowledge the difficulty while at the same time appreciating uh, God's grace in it. And yeah. I think that really comes through in the conversation. It does, so yeah. it's a it's a great, a great perspective to hear from as someone who is the recipient of just kind of God's grace and kindness through a family like the O'Days yeah. and uh, is an extraordinary young adult. So. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to listen to these two outstanding interviews. Have you ever had that experience of hearing a great idea and thinking, oh, why couldn't that have been my idea? Well, I had that experience recently when I ran across a company called Space Together. Now, Space Together was founded by a church planter, and Space Together is to the church world what Airbnb is to your family. It lets you rent out your church space as easily as Airbnb lets you rent out your home. You can rent out a part of the building for like a specific day and time, or you can rent out the building in an ongoing way in a time where your facility is underutilized. And Space Together has this great technology that helps you take underutilized church space and create new opportunities for your congregation. 
Now, exclusively for Church Planning Podcast listeners, Space Together is offering um, a $1 posting fee. You can post your space on Space Together for just $1 when you use the coupon code PLANTER. And if you're a church planter that needs space, go on Space Together and look at the places that they're offering and maybe you'll find the perfect spot for your new church. You can learn more about Space Together at their website, spacetogether.com. Wilbert and Sheila, thank you for being with me today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Thank you for yes. asking us to do this. Yeah. So you guys have been a part of Pillar for how long now? I think around 2014. Okay. Okay. So um, at Pillar, that's a lifetime. I mean, <laughs> people come and go so much that for you to be there uh, for more than a year or two is pretty amazing. So today we're talking about adoption and foster care, and um, you guys have had some some involvement in adoption and foster care over the years, haven't you? Can you just kind of describe that? To tell us how you guys have been involved. Well, back in New York City, um, Wilbert attended uh, church service. Uh, for some reason, I missed church that day, but <laughs> and DSS came to the church service, and they made an appeal to the congregation to um, to foster uh. kids. And I think that day, your heart was moved. Mm-hmm. And he came home and he shared that with me. Now our apartment in New York City was very small, so we couldn't do we couldn't do foster care in that apartment. We wouldn't have been approved. So <laughs> when we moved the next, the following year, maybe we moved to Virginia. We moved here mm-hmm. in 1994, and we immediately we signed up for foster care. Mm-hmm. And we started um, September of that same year. So we moved in March, I believe, mm-hmm. and we started September of '94, and we. We were foster parents until 2000, until 2010. Mm-hmm. And Wilbert, what was it that happened in that service as you look back that the Lord really used to stir you? Uh, I think uh, I think the woman from the social care agency mentioned that if one child was adopted by each church in New York City, because New York City has so many churches, mm-hmm. then that would deplete the entire adoption uh, system. Yeah. So, uh, so I was just inspired by that. Well, what can I do? We love kids, you know. So the next, so when we move, our plan was to move out of New York City. Mm-hmm. I said we will buy a bigger place in order to accommodate children, to take care of children that are in need. And I'm not sure, maybe because I am from a big family, I am the ninth out of 10, Sheila is from a big family also. And so we just want to be around kids. And so God laid that on our heart and it just was natural. I love how active that that was. You just heard it and then you just responded. That's that's so cool. Um, I, I, I think we pray that that'll happen uh, even today in the hearts of people who are here that just say like, yeah, why can't we, we've got room in our hearts and our home for, for kids uh, that are in need. Why can't we? So over the years, you guys have kind of fostered a lot. Um, t- tell me, give me a scope of how, how much you've done this. Well, over the years, we've had around 25 kids come into our home, not all at once. Right, right, right. <laughs> we had in our home, uh, it's about seven at one time. Yeah, we had seven at one time. Right, and uh, and that worked out well, but we always had to have two vans, and so it was not, uh, we couldn't go anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. as a family, really. So we said, we can't do seven kids. <laughs> Although our home can accommodate seven kids, we just couldn't do seven kids. It wasn't feasible. Yeah. 
but uh, and then after that, it was most probably like four or five kids at a time, six families, usually families. Yeah, sibling groups. Sibling groups. Sibling groups. Mm-hmm. So we, would, we had a sibling group of three. Mm-hmm. And um, then we had a couple of sibling groups of two. And they stayed in our home for four years. Mm. Wow. So we had two sets of kids who stayed in our home for four years. Yes. And it was beautiful. Wow. It was the most beautiful experience. And during, if I may share the story really quick, during, uh, we had five kids and during that time, Ruben and I found out that we couldn't have kids. Mm. And, um, and it was such a blessing to have them wow. in our home. And God knew that we would need these kids to distract us from the pain of not being able to have kids mm. or to become so internally focused, you know, maybe to, come de- to become depressed. Anything could have happened. But these kids brought us so much joy. And it was a ministry for us. Correct. It was a ministry and God blessed us through that time. That's incredible. Um, yeah. Put yourself in the shoes of the, the family who's sitting here today and didn't think about this at all before they walked into this service and they're for the first time considering this. What sorts of advice, encouragement, warnings might you give to a family like that? Well, foster care is not for everybody or adoption. Uh, if you love children and uh, and you feel that the Lord is laying that on your heart, then I would say move in that direction. Um, but oftentimes it's not easy because you are getting children who are accustomed to living in chaos oftentimes and confusion. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've learned. And so they live out what they have learned and they live it out well. Yeah. And so it's up to us to bring some stability and some continuity and some structure in their lives in a very humble and, and uh, I would say slow, you know, considerate, being patient. considerate, patient. That's the word I'm looking for. Being patient with um, these children mm-hmm. because uh, they need that stability. They need that structure. And that's what they desire. But it's something that uh, has to be, uh, I guess, modeled before them. There's probably a lot of ladies who are listening to this conversation and they might be thinking, yeah, sure, the Lord might be starting us to do this, but I'm going to be the one that's going to take the bulk of the workload on, on this. Um, anything you, you'd say to, to the ladies who, who would consider this? I would like to appeal to both the men and the, the women and the man because it's so it's vitally important that the man be a part of this. Mm-hmm. It's just important. I know in our situation, had I not had Wilbert to lead, uh, it would it would have been a failure. I can tell you that. One thing I saw in my husband during this time because we started four years after we were married. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing I saw in Wilbert is his leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And he saw things most oftentimes before I did in these kids. And he spoke to them and he, he protected me wow. from, the time, from the kids. Because again, these kids will bring chaos into the home. Mm-hmm. And that male voice, for some reason, they hear it. They hear it loud and clear. Wow. And, uh, and I depended on Wilbert the entire time. Mm-hmm. There were times when Wilbert was in seminary that he couldn't be there all the time, but the kids knew that he was in there studying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His presence was in the home, was known in the home. 
So, you know, I, I can't say that I did this. I, we did it together, Clint. Parents was strengthened as a result of foster care. And I'm so grateful for that. That's good. I'm assuming you, you didn't just totally cut off all ties with those kids when they left your house. Do you still have relationships with any of those children? Yes, absolutely. We have grandchildren now. We have grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we've attended how many? We've, we've attended some weddings. Correct. Okay. Um, baby showers. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't attend baby showers, but we sent gifts for the baby, baby showers. Yeah. But yeah, we, we, we were involved. Wow. You guys are inspirational. I just get so encouraged when I talk to you on any subject, but this is like a, a part of you that I think because you're not actively, you know, uh, fostering right now, maybe people in our church don't, don't really know this about you, but just so thankful for uh, the ministry that you've had in this area and, and just, just your selflessness and your sacrifice in those areas and just in a model of responding to the Lord when he prompts you. Uh, just thank you guys so much for talking to me about this. Yes, praise the Lord. And if anybody has any questions yeah. and you want to speak to us personally, yeah. we're always willing to do that. Yes. That's great. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you, Clint. Okay, so we just heard from Wilbert and Sheila Jones and uh, their conversation about uh, about fostering all those kids. Anything strike you about that, Nicole? Yeah, I, I love the... I love the part where Sheila talks about uh, how Wilbert protected her. Yeah, yeah, that is and, good. That um, is really good. You know, Sheila's a strong woman. She is a She's, strong woman. Uh, yes. I've I've never thought of her some, as someone who needs particular protection. <laughs> uh, she's just she's gracious and she's got such a kind demeanor, but yeah. she's always shown a sort of strength. But uh, man, what what a statement to to say about Wilbert, you know, and just his depth of character yeah. really comes through in that. And his wisdom. I yeah. mean, just for him to look at the situation and and be relating to his wife to know how he was going to mm -hmm. have to sort of manage situations and make sure that that the situations were sustainable for Sheila. Uh, it reminds us that it's not easy. Yeah. And there there is a, a sense of like strength and and wisdom that's required. And I just love that compliment. And yeah. it just speaks kind of to their whole relationship. Yeah. I um, love also how simply they got started. Just the fact that. Um, mm. uh, she, she, I think she went to a worship service or he went to, a he, worship, he went yeah. to a worship service and heard the, the challenge from the church in a mm. service, just like we're talking about doing yeah. Yeah. and, 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 and reacted right away, responded with obedience, you know, and, you know, and invested 20 years of his life into it. I mean, yeah. uh, unbelievable. So I, pr I pray that we could be so responsive to the Lord yeah. when he calls us. So, and it's one more plug for just, you know, as a church planner, as a pastor, like, yeah. Like set aside time to communicate from God's word and yeah. you never know when somebody's just going to clearly obey and God's going to use them in a huge way. And yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. We're going to listen uh, and turn it, turn the table a little bit and hear from a, a kid who went through the foster care system and um, came out on the other side of it. Yeah. Hey, Danny O'Day. Thanks for, um, thanks for taking time to talk to me today. Of course. Anytime. So, Danny, um, you were a foster child and uh, grew up in the foster care system a little bit, and you you ended up being adopted by a family we love very much at our church, uh, the O'Day yeah. family. Um, so, do you mind telling us a little bit about what um, what your biological family was like, and what circumstances led you to to go into the foster system? Um, so I would say that my mom wasn't ready to have kids and she had four of us all near the same time. Mm -hmm. And so 
and it was I think it was just too much for when when did you meet the O'Days how old were you and when was that I was 14 and it was October 14th okay so almost exactly six years ago yep okay and um and so from the time you were three years old to the time you were 14 years old, you were essentially in the foster system. I learned recently that the foster care system has been involved in my life, my entire life, basically. Mm -hmm. But when I was, I've lived with a lot of family mm -hmm. and I have only lived in foster care, like in a foster home in Wilmington from like 12 to 14. I gotcha. But I gotcha. between three to 12, I was with my dad or my aunt. So basically from the time that you can uh, remember, you were, you were between family members and foster parents kind of going from foster home to foster home. How, how, what was the longest you, you spent in any one place? The longest was three years. Yeah. Yeah. So each of those was like changing schools, changing houses, changing families. Yep. Yeah. I got, I got used to being the new girl in school. Yeah. How did that affect you, Danny? I would say that I struggle with trust because going from house to house and family member to family member, you're always like the new person mm -hmm. and you can't ever build good relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And so I struggle with trusting people and letting people close because I'm used to leaving and having this relationship last for max of three years. So take me back to that time in 2014 when you first encountered the O'Day family. Uh, tell me, tell me what your first impressions were of them. Well, when I first, when I first saw them, we went to, we were, we met in Wilmington and we went to Greenfield Lake and my first impression of them, I was like, wow, these people are pretty. <laughs> they are. They're beautiful people. Uh, and, your dad, um, your dad, you know, he's a little rough, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and my mom, she did most of the talking and I was, mm -hmm. I was really quiet, mm -hmm. but I liked how she wanted to get to know me and she tried she tried to push me out of my comfort zone of talk, not talking and so that meant a lot to me and then my dad just standing he stood next to me and so when we walked it was I was standing in between my parents mm -hmm. and he was just really observant and listening and he would say some things but for the most part he would just let me and my mom talk and did it, was it awkward or do you remember it being awkward or do you feel like it was comfortable? It was awkward. <laughs> it was awkward, yeah. Yes. What's the process been like? Um, it's been a hard process, mm -hmm. but um, as, as time has gone by, we've all grown mm -hmm. and we've all, like at the beginning, I had, it was really hard with me and my mom and we like we couldn't have a conversation with each other without yelling at each other mm -hmm. and so but now we're able to talk and work things out and where before I used to go to my dad just to my dad for advice or if I had something going on 
just to rant to them. Um, but now it's both of my parents and that sounds really little, but it's a big, big thing. Yeah. So there's uh, people watching today that um, may be considering uh, becoming foster parents. Um, any advice or thoughts or encouragement you could give to them? Um, first, you need Jesus to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it's hard, huh? <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, we all do need but, Jesus. Yes, yeah. it's really sanctifying. But I think that as long as you put God first and you really... Like you go to him when things are hard. Like that, that helps a lot. And know that even though it's hard now, like in the small picture, it looks hard. And it's like, when is this, when is it going to get better? Or like with a slow adoption process, you're like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. But then in the big picture, it's like, wow, God really did some great things. Yeah. And he grew, he grew someone in this, in this time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not just, not there. just you. He's, he's grown the, the whole day family and really by extension, all of us in the pillar family. So we, mm -hmm. man, so cool. Uh, I just appreciate you doing this. I know this isn't easy, a fun conversation to have, but I appreciate you doing this and thank you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Hey Josh, we got to figure out how to get people to write reviews. That, that means we need to motivate people to take action. You know, that's why podcasts have such a hard time. People just don't do stuff. Yeah, I, I don't either. They're driving I mean, right now on the freeway. Yeah. They can't leave a review. Like I listen that. to podcasts all the time and I don't think I've ever written a review. Yet I find myself in this position. Yeah. Where I really, really need people to write reviews. We do. And and we kind of just, we, we have a new feed too. So we've updated some stuff that might be hurting our algorithms a little bit in iTunes. So we yeah. really need the reviews. Yeah. Another thing they could do uh, is go on our Facebook page and, mm. and like it. And uh, there's actually reviews on our, you can put a review on our yeah. Facebook page and that's a good place to do it too. That's all we have to say. Good. <laughs> <laughs>